Hello and welcome to Retrospection, where we take an old show or film and see if we should dust it off, give it a new lease of life or just let it go mouldy in an old antique store. Today we're taking a look at From Beyond the Grave from 1974. That's right, with the impeccable timing we've become famous for, we're doing a horror film way before Halloween. Well, we might do another one. Yeah, yeah. Or you can always download it again on the day. Yeah, it's virtual. Treat yourself. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Treat yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Colin, and I hope you enjoy snuffing it. And I'm Paul, and there's nothing like a drop of the hard stuff to turn me on. Yeah, that's true though, isn't it? You must be really randy during these podcasts. It's true for this film, and it's true for life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In this film, we have an anthology of four short horror stories revolving around a British antique shop and its mysterious owner. Now, it stars Ian Bannon as Christopher Lowe, Ian Carmichael as Reginald Warren, Peter Cushing as the proprietor, Diana Dawes as Mabel Lowe, Margaret Layton as Madame Orloff, Donald Pleasance as Jim Underwood, David Warner as Edward Charlton, Ian Ogilvy as William Seaton, and Leslie Ann Down as Rosemary Seaton. That's a that's a cast, isn't it? It's that a good a cast. Superb cast. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the creme de la creme of British talent at that time. It is. It is definitely directed by Kevin Connor, famous for *The Land That Time Forgot*, uh, and he also did *At the Earth's Core* as well. Oh, okay. Uh, he also did a couple episodes of Space 1999, an episode of Return of the Saint, a couple episodes of Remington Steel, half a dozen episodes of Heart to Heart, and an episode of Moonlighting. He got about a bit. He, I mean, he cut his teeth on things like um, Oh, What a Lovely War and Young Winston as an editor. Right, this is actually his first film that he directed, and he was surprised to be offered it and said, I, I, I'm, I'm just an editor, and the producer was like, oh, editors make the best directors. It's not wrong. Uh, no? Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he seems to be a master of being able to do a lot with very little. Ah, Hammer trademark. I mean, this isn't a Hammer film, Amicus, but it's that kind of ballpark, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, screenplay by Robin Clark. Uh, this seems to be his only screenplay. He seems to be music editor on a lot of films, though, including Flash Garden. So there's a lot, a lot of pedigree there for us. I mean, he, uh, you say that he wrote the screenplay, but it was based on um, a series of short stories that were written by yeah. a guy called Ronald Chetwin Hayes. Yeah, he did ghost stories and humorous horror throughout the 1900s, right? That's right, and apparently it was um, Kevin Connor that, that brought these stories to the attention of um, Milton Subotsky as well, the producer. Oh, okay. And this is something that Amicus, a lot of their anthology stuff is based on short stories, right? Written by it, known horror writers. Either short stories or a lot of the time based on uh, stories that were in uh, the old EC comics. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because they did, they did anthologies like um, Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt, um, right. which were a lot of those stories were straight rips from 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 those comics. Really, we also should point out that Raymond Christo Delulu was also credited as screenwriter. Okay, uh, um, I think as well the 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 little story that that holds everything together, the you know the um, the, the the antique shop. 
proprietor the proprietor yeah. story that was actually an invention of um one of the producers as well oh okay yeah, so there was a lot of hands in this i think yeah yeah it seems to be mm-hmm. uh music's by douglas gamley it's a good score yeah it's a little on the nose occasionally <laughs> now is it on the nose when we look at it no did it do you think it felt on the nose back in 1974 when all this kind of thing was the rage at the time wasn't it yeah maybe i guess i would have to i'd have to see previous amicus anthology films to mm. think about but, that because this is the seventh and last of the amicus anthology films it, it is and and Am- amicus um they, they, we should really say what Amicus were. They were kind of a, a rival at the time to, to Hammer. Mm-hmm. But it, whereas Hammer were known for the predominantly for the sort of gothic period horror, I think a lot of the, the Amicus stuff was set in present day. They dabbled a little bit in period horror, but mostly they did, they did stuff in present day and a lot of anthology stuff dating back to the 60s with the first one, which was um, Dr. Terry's House of Horrors, in which Peter Cushing played kind of a, a proprietor type character he was the he was the, the the weird guy on the train with the deck of cards that told the stories okay okay uh so i i don't have any more information about this do you um i was going to talk about um when it was released it was re- released in february of 1974 and it was released to to lots of mixed reviews at the time although the film did do well it took almost um and this doesn't sound a lot a lot now but if you if you adjust it i suppose it was a lot at the time it took almost four thousand pound in its first week which was i would imagine was fairly decent back then for for this kind of movie so do you know what the budget was no i don't know what the budget was but i would imagine that um it it wasn't huge i would imagine that that it made a good return on 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 whatever it costs to make although they did produce 26 different sets for this for this film and it, and it was all filmed at Shepperton which was a return to Shepperton for them at the time they hadn't used Shepperton in a long time well wow, that sounds like a lot of sets yeah yeah I think and I think that a lot of them were reused as well for other things okay um, wow. in the US in the US it was received a lot less enthusiastically though to, um, Warner Brothers who were going to release it were considering at one point just releasing it direct to TV and apparently they told um, Max Rosenberg, the other producer, that they felt it was, quote-unquote, too opulent for a horror film. How can you be too opulent? I don't know. I don't know. That, that was their thinking at the time. Any comment on that, Colin? No, I, I'm not. I'm just trying to think. Like, I guess maybe... I don't know. It's a weird comment. For a horror film? Yeah. I think it's a weird comment. Um, eventually, Rosenberg released it himself through his own company in 1976, because because Warner's just, I think they just let it go. Right, and he made money on that, I assume. I would imagine so. Yeah, I think Milton Sabotsky and Max Rosenberg were um, very good, um, very good businessmen. I think. Oh, like the Carry On team. Yes, yes, and they they. I mean, Milton Sabotsky was was producing films well into the early 80s all right so Hello. let's let's jump right in okay and we begin with segment one the gate crasher you've been one of those haven't you i've been a gate crasher 
You've crashed into a few gates. Oh, I smashed a few fences, done a few doors. I have no idea what you're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> Just go with it, Colin. Okay. All right. So we open with the Warner Brothers Communications logo. 70s logo. Not my favorite. Yeah. Is it not? Why not? I don't know. It doesn't doesn't scream. I, I like the shield. That's strange because my version had the shield. Ah, that this was actually something I was going to ask you about. I my guess is I have the American version, which is distributed differently, and you have right maybe the original version. I don't know, or maybe yeah. I have the original logo because it's a seventies film, and this is a seventies logo, and yours has a new logo mm-hmm. on the original film. Possibly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the famous Warner music. Oh no, that's not right. Right, sorry. <laughs> I think that means go and get your snacks, doesn't it? Oh yeah, I'm hungry now. That's weird. Yeah. Mm. And we fade into a downwards pan of some gnarly trees. Gnarly trees. Yeah. Bell sound. Original blended whiskey. Don't mind if I do. Mm. Oh, is that where we're going? All right. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the music begins. As we pan up some stone steps, we see an Animicus production. Mm -hmm. This is Highgate Cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. I have that in my notes. You knew that. I mean, it's obvious it is. It's it's famous. Every film, TV show has used it at some point. It's a fantastic location for a horror movie. Have Have you ever been to Highgate Cemetery? I've not. I wish I had. I should. Yes, I would it's very like to interesting. go. Very interesting. There's a lot of it's it closed is. off. There's a lot of it that's closed off now, though. You can't. It's dangerous, apparently. Oh, because it's just not been looked after, and it's going to fall apart. That kind of thing. That and the vampire, mean, like, obviously. Oh, I was going to say, like, like Living Dead. What? Well, they had a vampire in the seventies, didn't they? In High Gate. Oh, Cemetery. okay. Yeah. 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 All right. <clears throat> Uh, we do see the title from Beyond the Grave, and it's in white. The music increases in volume as a woeful organ begins. Woeful organ? Yeah, it used to be a very good snooker player in the uh, 70s. He got to the final, but was knocked out by a mournful harpsichord. I mean, I don't mean he lost. Harpsichord hit him with the, uh, uh, and I'll use a technical snooker term, with the stick repeatedly until he couldn't get up it was a famous match surprised you never heard about it but I guess because you've no interest in snooker but you do have a love of sticks oh I do love a stick yeah stick stick yeah. stick what do you pick that gnarly stick not a straight one no curvy like a boomerang I'm, I'm, I'm a bit frightened but alright <laughs> I don't know. Where, where, me and the listeners will will we'll explore this together tonight. This is going to see, we'll see get, what gets left in the edit. Mm. Oh, all of it. <laughs> this is gold. Ca- I'm not losing this. <laughs> the camera pans around and we get the credits as it moves through the cemetery and past mausoleums. A choir starts in and there's a howl as we explore the dark, dank depths of these stone monuments to the dead I, I, I made a note chanting evil laughter oh you went for that I did oh okay 
Or maybe that was just what you could hear at the time. What, in my head? It was nothing to do with the film. Yeah, it was just you. <laughs> I do like a bit of chanting. Do you? I do, yeah, I like a bit of chanting. A bit of Gregorian chant. I, I don't. I can do with that. Oh, I, I thought you meant like, Millwall, Millwall, <laughs> that kind of chanting. <laughs> yeah. oh, I was completely that, wrong. That's your, that, oh, is that your kind of chanting? Yeah, I like that kind of chanting. Because yeah, you, you strike me as a Millwall. Not necessarily Millwall. Hold on, other, other teams are available. Yes, we don't want to alienate anyone, do we? No. No. Wait, West Brom, they're a good team. We've got, we got listeners, uh, we got listeners uh, that listen. Uh, are they even a team? Yeah. Ooh, shut up. make that up. Shut up. Shut up. Oh, okay. He's one of our right. best listeners. Right. Yeah, yeah. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A woman screams, but it, it's in the soundtrack or it's in my head. Maybe it's both. Ooh. Okay. How many had you had that night? Not not women not women screaming. I don't mean... <laughs> oh, okay. No, I was stone cold. I mean, I was stone cold sober. Oh, it was always the first, isn't it? Yeah. The camera is still tracking along the graves, sometimes low, sometimes high, sometimes between those two points. And a baby cries. Oh, yeah, there was a baby crying, wasn't there? Yep, yep, mm. yep, yep. And we come to a rest on a sign that says All Hallows. There's a jump cut to the same sign somewhere else, and as we pan from it, we are now in a cobbled alleyway outside of a shop called Temptations Limited Antiques. Temptations. There's a clue there. There is. Don't you think that this this alleyway w- looked very Victorian compared to everything else? Well, um, I, I was okay with it because parts of London do look still Victorian. You know, some of these lost and forgotten streets. And I would imagine probably back in 1974, a lot more of it looked like that. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, yeah. So I was okay with it. It didn't like stick out in any way to me. It normally doesn't with me, but because I was looking at it more critically I just I just it just I just thought oh it does look a bit odd but okay I can go with it mm. alright Edward Charlton is walking along the alley he looks in the window of the antique store then enters and his store is filled with frightening old objects mannequins heads Paul's jokes ancient things that are dredged from the past <laughs> best leave them there I think we cut between the heads and the star on his face, known simply as the proprietor, and he's watching Edward. Mm. Edward glances at a dusty mirror. The proprietor greets him, doing an accent. It, 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 it's an accent, yes. It's a choice. I, I think it's all right. I think it worked quite well. Okay, so why does he pronounce the word genuine as genuine? Are you saying because if he was northern, he wouldn't say it that way? I don't think so, but I've been here a while. It sounds American. Possibly. Possibly. But I, I, I honestly okay. didn't have a problem with it, with, with the accent. Yeah. And you're, you're the king of northerners. <laughs> really? Is that, do I come across that way? <laughs> I don't yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe the queen. <laughs> Ooh. Well, I can't do that, can I? <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah, no, no. That was... <laughs> That's why. <laughs> That's why I don't live up there anymore. Yeah, it's mm. true. He tells Edward that the mirror is two hundred and fifty pounds. Edward says, "I don't want to know its weight. I just want to know how much it is." No, he he didn't say that. That wouldn't be funny, though. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The proprietor says it's a genuine antique. So does this mean he has fake antiques in the store? Of course he does. I mean, look at. I mean, surely everything is genuine. Yeah, look at some of it. 
I thought Peter Cushing's a genuine antique. He's a national treasure. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) It's very old, he says. The mirror, not Peter Cushing. Edward doesn't believe him. He says it's been treated. He offers him 25 quid. The proprietor agrees and Edward takes the mirror. Now, first problem here. If you know you're being ripped off, don't sell it. You can't be annoyed for being ripped off when you know you're being ripped off. But he's not really annoyed, is he? He's not? No, because he wants to manoeuvre these people into the situation where they're going to either rip him off or do something that's not exactly um, honest. Hence the name Temptations. But my feeling is that that's called entrapment. Are you accusing this this, we, this demonic proprietor of entrapment? You're, you're going to go down that route, are you? That's what you do in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, yeah. I don't like him, Paul. Okay, that's, that's your prerogative. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. My prerogative. Yes. Is that a song? <laughs> I think it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We cut to Edward leading friends into his room. He's telling people that he pulled a fast one on the proprietors. The mirror really is old, or about 400 years, in fact. Mm-hmm. One of the guests, Pamela, says it gives her the shivers. His other guests think that it looks like something that should be in a medium's parlour. One suggests holding a seance. Edward thinks, oh, this is a great idea. It's the way that they say it. They say, oh, let's hold a seance. All right. <laughs> Yeah, like, that's what everyone was doing in the 70s. Why not? Maybe they were. Yeah. Maybe they were. So we cut to them sitting around the table holding a seance. A suspiciously powerful candle lights the room. It is. My first thought was, turn that pilot light down. It's the 70s. And I just felt like, it's one of those things where they light one candle and the entire world (laughs) lights up. And you're like, I've had candles. You need (laughs) 5,000. You ever done that thing when you, f- you you got a girlfriend and you think, let's be romantic and have a bathroom with candles, and then you realise you need 252 candles to light the bathroom? No, you've lost me. You've lost hey, me, Colin. it's not set. No, no, no. Yeah. no. I, sorry, I, that was romance. I, I knew you'd be lost at that. Yeah. So they hold hands and empty their minds. Didn't take long. He tells them to concentrate. The weird camera angle makes the candle look like it's moving. Mm. Did you not think that? I did. I was like, is that candle moving or is it still or what? Because they fixed it to the camera. Yeah, but it, it looks it looks effective, I think. Uh, yes, but it was confusing. All right, okay. Maybe I've just seen this film a few times. Because I, I was like, oh, the candle's moving. Why aren't they more surprised <laughs> that the candle's floating around? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see what you mean. I can see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, like, forget the fact the flames turn blue. The candle's fucking <laughs> floating, mate. Well, that's nothing compared to what's going to happen in a minute, so... Yeah. That's true. I, Edward can, asks, can I just point out as well that Edward is wearing uh, a, a very nice neckerchief? You know how much I love a neckerchief. That's why you're a big fan of Scooby-Doo. Exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm. The flame turns blue. Edward asks if anybody is here. The flame increases and turns a sapphire blue. Come in, whoever you are. 
Frankie Howard enters. Ooh, you won't believe the trouble I had getting here. I was waiting to get a ticket for Astral Plane, and he said I was in the wrong line. What's going on here, then? Wrong film. Bad impression of Howard. You don't say. I do, Howard. I do. Yeah, you're going to leave that in, Paul. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting more scared. <laughs> this, is, this is more terrifying than the movie. He's got an this hour is, yet. I tell you. I just don't know what's going to happen. No. Edward is sweating. Smoke forms in the mirror. Then an old, grey, sunken face. Mean, ancient, with straggly beard. And the kind of haunted look that Paul has on a Sunday morning. I was waiting for him to burst into song. I was waiting for him to start singing fire. You look like Arthur Brown. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> I'd like that. And now yeah. it's in my head. Uh, Edward opens his eyes. And he's not in the house anymore he's in a place bathed in green and smoke there's a tree in the walkway the set is third season Star Trek it's not that bad surely oh okay the figure from the mirror approaches him the figure is wearing a cape he opens the cape it's a flasher it's a flasher pal oh no no, no he's not no he's not he has various bladed weapons secured upon his belt and he whips out a dagger. He makes a stabbing motion and Edward screams. We cut to Pamela turning on the lights as David continues his screaming while seated at the table. Everybody mm-hmm. is quiet. Edward asks what happened, but there's no answer. Later, Edward is in bed. A breeze through his bedroom makes a glass of his chandelier tinkle like a tiny devil's footsteps dancing on a piano's ivory oh, keys. God, we, we, we've been working on <laughs> We've been working again, haven't we, eh? <laughs> Check out Oscar Wilde here. He's with... Smoke. <laughs> Smoke. Hey, go, let me do this. No, no, go for it. Interrupt. No. Ruining it, Paul. Ruin it. Ruining it, Paul. Carry on. Smoke fills the mirror. Seems his bedroom is also his living room i mean like it's a bed sit as you were called or yeah, a studio just a room, we were called. but that bed yeah but that bed is way too big and grand for that Isn't size it a full of room. poster bed with the curtains around it as well yeah yes yeah yeah, yeah. also how did he get it through the <laughs> door <laughs> i was thinking that as well because that door is very small <laughs> Yeah, there's no way that's getting in there. It's not Ikea. He has, it got, come a window. Flat he has got a big window. Maybe it opens out and they got it through the window somehow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's how yeah, he did it. He wenched it free. A glass of red wine on the mantelpiece shatters. Edward wakes up. He sees an old man in the mirror. This old man beckons him. Come. Well, that's a tough <laughs> wank, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> well, we've all had strange old men standing over us the night saying come haven't we or is that just me no that's just you and that <laughs> was Santa Claus that's a, that's yeah, a Christmas yeah. we don't <laughs> talk about it was a dark Christmas that was it, it's a it good was, practical yeah, effect yeah, I mean yeah. it's it's obvious that it, 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 he's just standing on the other side of this window isn't he but and he's and they're just pushing him up to it yeah with the smoke and everything and the makeup it works really yeah. well it mm-hmm. does. I don't have. A I'd rather see something it. like this than some sort of swirly CGI mess that they would do now if they did this. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Edward rises from his bed. Is he under the power of the mirror? He blankly approaches it. The old man says, 
You must feed me, Seymour. I, I did that last I, bit. I was thinking <laughs> the same Seymour. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. We cut to a foggy street. A woman in a short skirt is walking down the lane. Edward reaches out and grabs her. She asks if he's looking for a girl. Five quid and no hurry. Her place is not far. Edward says he'd rather take her to his place. She agrees. Edward leads her back and up the stairs to his apartment. And a male neighbour, Mr. Jeffries, who lives downstairs, and he's bringing his milk bottles out, shakes his head as he watches them go up. But, you know, takes a sneaky well, look up at his girl. Although he, he just lives with his cat, though, doesn't he? Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. he's he's, uh, he's only used to looking at uh, that pussy, isn't he? Yeah, I did it. Go oh, I'm going to do it. Uh, well, you did, but you stomped all over it. So, you know, uh, fuck you. So I, I had to. I had to for censorship <laughs> reasons. Five quid and no hurry. It's a bargain, isn't it? I don't know. Is it? I don't know how much they usually cost. I don't know. What Google it. Cost I'm sure part? you'll find out if you Google it. What am I going to Google? <laughs> how much does a prostitute cost in in... 1974 Edward leads her into his room she asks for a drink he offers whiskey she says oh nothing like a drop of the hard stuff to turn me on <laughs> oh she's perfect for you <laughs> she asks if he has a window open no he replies the figure in the mirror yells now and Edward lunges at her with a mm-hmm. knife we cut to Edward, waking up abruptly. There's blood on his shirt, on his pillow, with the pool of blood on the chair, but there's no sign of the woman. He enters the kitchen, and there's a surprisingly clean knife sitting on a bloodied towel. So he cleaned the knife? Didn't clean anything else? Apparently. Mm. No, no, he just cleaned the knife. Okay, alright. Did you notice that there's four um, random glasses of wine on the table still? He hasn't even washed up. From when he had the party? Yeah. Ah, shocking, right? And they stay there through the whole of Throughout the story. Throughout the entire film. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. I think we can assume that cleanliness is not his main goal at this point now. <laughs> <laughs> Although he did he did t- go to the trouble. You say he had blood on his shirt, but he did go to the trouble of killing the girl and then putting on his PJs. Well, yeah. He's wearing, he's wearing pajamas. Oh, yes. But the pajamas yeah. don't... Are you sure? Yeah, but they've got blood on them as well. How how have the pajamas got blood on them? If he killed her in the while he's wearing a shirt, did he stop, put on his pajamas, and then cut a body up and maybe hit he it? did? Maybe he did. That's a weird thing to do, isn't it? What as weird as talking to a, to a bloke in a in a mirror that's telling you to kill? Yeah, kill. but like. What are these? These are my pajamas I wear when I'm burying the body. I wear shirts when I'm killing. You know, you got to keep a standard. You sound like you're doing some sort of advertisement, Colin. Oh, do I? Yeah. Hi. When you're killing somebody, <laughs> don't just wear a normal shirt. Wear PJs. White clean ones as well. Yeah. Oh, oh worse colour. What? You should buy red clothes. I always wonder why serial killers don't dress in red. I mean, obviously they'd stand out, wouldn't they? <laughs> Maybe Santa Claus is a killer. Well, they, well, we did say earlier, you know. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, all adds up. 
I've got to say there are stains on his uh, all over his clothes and on, and on his floor they're not going to come out are they no I don't think he cares though does he no but you know cleanliness is I mean, next to godliness isn't it I, I don't think he's close to godliness. I think he's close <laughs> to the other other side of the spectrum. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should, so at this point, it seems that Edward doesn't remember what happened, or at least nothing after the stabbing. See, I don't even sure if he remembers the stabbing. Mm-hmm. So we cut to Edward laying in his bed, and he's he's in a different shirt and tie, but it's it's also covered in blood. Mm-hmm. Has has Edward been out food shopping again? <laughs> Unexpected item in the beheading area. I wondered where you were going. <laughs> well, that's what he's doing. It's food for this figure, right? Yes, yes. Feed me. There. Yeah. yeah, true. Yeah. The mirror smokes. I mean, smoke fills the mirror. Not that the mirror's lit up a galois. And, yes. You know. <laughs> I, yeah. I, got, I got it. Yeah, I got it. Okay. And the figure appears. Feed me. Blood. At first I thought he was using gang terms. <laughs> Feed me blood. Oh, I can't do that, yeah. can I? Shouldn't no, no, you can't do that. Cancelled. <laughs> I'm down with the street. I know all that. I know how it works. All right, the street's red in High Street. I actually, I yeah, I was just say you're 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 so far from the street, you could be on the moon. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Yeah. So after that, no, says Edward. No, but a sound deafens him. He clutches his head and tries to make his way out. No, he screams, falling to the floor. The sound increases, penetrating his mind. It ceases when he grabs the knife. How many more? He asked the figure. Until I am fulfilled, the smoky spectre replies. Smoky spectre? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't do a band gag. I wasn't going we to. Got, we, got, we got some of those later. <laughs> yes. don't, don't do it now. <laughs> yeah, don't ruin don't, it. Don't blow don't your load too early. Yeah, don't ruin the pleasure of it. Yeah. <gasps> no, 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 no. We cut to a party. Edward is making his way through the dancers, holding a drink. He sits down next to a woman and asks if they should go home. Who's home? She replies. Well, says Edward, you are free roommates, so I hope it's your place then. <laughs> well, he, doesn't, he doesn't say that. Now, this, this is a swinging little place, isn't it, that he's, that he's at? Yeah, I mean, it looks... I mean, at first I thought it was his room because <laughs> it looks like the same set. But all right, yeah, it is a bit small. Yeah, it is a bit small. Yeah, it's like it's someone's living room. But with the music and and the way it looks, it reminded me of something out of um, Dracula AD nineteen seventy two that we watched recently. Oh, where they just stood around and it's supposed to be a party. Yeah, and it's all hey, daddy o and all that sort of thing, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it, uh, it, it does have that kind of feel about it. Might right, might have right. felt a little bit old hat and a bit corny even back in 1974. Actually, that's a good point. This is like something you would expect from 1969. Mm, yeah, 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 I remembered that. Okay. Yeah. So we cut to Edward, a slicing and a dicing, another entree. Yes, you're making me hungry. Oh, yeah, a woman. A woman? No, <laughs> Roger Moore creeps in then. She screams. The figure watches. We see Edward's shadow stagger up and he yells, Why? 
the figure replies that a long time ago I gave my sacrifices. Now you must give them to me. That's that's not an ex- explanation, mate. No. <laughs> You're not going for that, are you not? No, well, I need more than that. That that's not enough for me. I'd be like, uh, details. So you'd need you'd need more of an explanation. More you'd need more motivation before you started to kill random girls and, and chopping them. Yeah, up yeah, yeah. I'd be like, hang on a minute. Just because you've done it, why am I doing it? Let, let's let's go into this a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good training uh, though for when David Warner plays Jack the Ripper in Time After Time, though. Oh, it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. And uh, just. Uh, Paul drops his little bit of film knowledge there to amaze us all. I, I like to sprinkle it in, you know. Yeah, yeah, you do like to sprinkle it. I do, like like a fine uh, mist of knowledge. A fine mist of knowledge. I like that. Yeah. That'll be your autobiography. Thank you. Thank you. Well, biography, someone else will have to write it. <laughs> well, it won't be you, will it? <laughs> no. <laughs> right? What's that? <laughs> the fuck do you think all this shit is <laughs> I thought you were just rambling but carry on oh yeah 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 it does It does feel like that sometimes <laughs> um, I have to ask how has nobody complained about the screaming at this point maybe they, well, we don't see any of the tenants do we other than the landlord well we've seen one so far we've seen Jeffries well he's the landlord isn't he the guy with the cat I don't think he's the landlord. He's just the person who lives below. Is he? Unless the landlord lives below. There's no point that he mentions that he's the landlord. Well, I thought he did. He maybe, I, maybe I mistook that then. All these years, I always presumed it was the landlord. I don't know why. No, he just... No, he never mentions okay. that. All right. Well, maybe he is the only one. Because he does mention all about his comings and goings later, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has heard yeah. the screams. And... He has, but he's said nothing about it so far. Mm. Okay. We cut to Edward opening his bed curtains again, shirt covered in blood. Mm. The fatal figure in the mirror says, Soon I can walk in daylight. Uh, it'll be it'll be easier just to get him some factor twenty, wouldn't it? <laughs> well he need, he needs all these sacrifices to get out of the mirror, doesn't he? Ah, okay, he's trapped in the mirror. He's trapped in the mirror, yeah. Right. Edward picks up a vase and throws it at the mirror, shattering it. A clock chimes. A telephone rings. A banana peels. I'm glad he. I'm glad he did throw something and, and smash the mirror because all the way through it, I was thinking, why don't you, you don't want to do this? Why just smash the bloody thing? And he does. Yeah, but I'm under the opinion that he's kind of like in a trance at this yeah. point. And with with moments like of he, he wakes up, yeah, yeah, moments of yeah. When he wakes up and he's like, "Oh, what happened? I don't know. Why is there blood everywhere?" Oh, boing! And then the mirror takes yeah. over. Okay, that's what happens. Yeah. Okay, I can buy, I can buy that. Edward slowly picks the phone up. It's Pamela. She asks if he's all right. She's been ringing and ringing and never got a reply. But good job she stopped ringing and tried the phone instead. <laughs> He's not going to hear her from that not distance. Really, no. She asks if she can come around. Edward says, don't do that. Suddenly, he pauses. The mirror seems whole again. The fearsome face has returned. Edward is quiet. Then, in strangled tones, he asks Pamela to come around that very evening about nine o'clock. 
Strangled Tones. That was your singing stage name, right? Or it was. But I remember it, it that. It was, but I... You used to be known as Strangled Tones. I had to Tones. retire the name very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, plus, I was getting very strung out yeah. as well. You're getting strung yeah. out? On Coke? No, Pepsi. Oh, okay. Yeah, soft yeah. drinks. All right. You are learning, remarks the awful apparition. Do as I tell you, and soon it will all be finished. Bill Cosby's chat-up line, I believe. Ooh. <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> what do you mean, oh, he's in jail? <laughs> well, yeah, it's not controversial, or is it? Is he? No, no, he's in jail. Uh, he is uh, in jail. Uh, yeah. Pamela arrives. She rings his doorbell and knocks. Edward slowly gets up. His shirt and the apartment are still covered in oh, yeah. blood. Pamela tries the door. It's obvious that he is mentally fighting the figure now. It says, let her in. Edward says, not this girl. Not, not, not Pamela. Oh, it's like David Warner's in the room. I know, available for dinner parties will work for bread rolls. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that about you. Yeah. She calls for Edward and tries a handle. I need more. Edward says that people know where she is. The twisted tormentor ponders this and says, Find me another. Edward, now temporarily released, tells Pamela through the door, Ah, go home. Confused, she leaves. You'd be, you'd be annoyed at this point, yeah, right? Just made you come yeah. all this way. Probably yeah. on the bus. In the 70s. In foggy yeah. London town, which apparently well, she'd it have, was. She'd have to be in the 70s. She can't time travel. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Downstairs, the neighbour is reading a horror story to his cat. What what cat would sit there and let you read a story to it? Pretty sure, I know for a fact my cat wouldn't. Well, just because your cat hates you. <laughs> That's beside the point, Colin. It, it, and to be, to be fair, if my dog was sleeping and I started reading out loud... My dog would give me a stir that suggests that I would shut up and then move away from me. <laughs> so, yeah. As he mentions about dripping blood, an actual drop of blood falls onto his book. It's a good job he wasn't reading Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> Whole train just collapses through the ceiling. <laughs> That's true. I didn't think of that. Yeah. yeah. He looks up and sees liquid pooling on the ceiling. And he goes upstairs to complain to Edward and for some reason takes his cat. Well, I mean, you don't want to leave it at home, do you? Yes. I mean, don't you leave your cat at home when you go out? You don't take it with you. You don't nip to McDonald's and you're there in the line with your cat perched on your shoulder like a parrot in a pirate film. If I was this guy, I would. Oh, you would? Mm. I mean, he's not got much else going for him. Okay. All right. So you think this guy takes him every? Oh, his cat he's that everywhere, sort, isn't he? I don't know. What, I don't know what I mean by okay. that. Okay. All right. No, no, no. Well, you will let people decide. Answers on a postcard. Too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, our oh uh, eight one. <laughs> for a swap shop number. Mm. Edward opens his door a crack 
Edward looks terrible. And Mr. Jeffrey says it's because of his lifestyle. All the women, lots of all the hammering in the middle of the night. Hammering? Questions Edward. Hammer time. <laughs> it doesn't. But Edward doesn't remember these moments. And if you spill anything, says Jeffries, for Pete's sake, mop it up. Now, is at this point I turn to the figure in the mirror and say, How would you like a change of diet? Do you fancy a middle aged cat loving fat guy? <laughs> he does, though, doesn't he? He does, yeah. yeah. He's not fussy. But before, no, no, no. But before that, Edward slams the door shut. And we see his whole apartment furniture is smashed. Blood covers everything. He lifts up the sofa and starts to hammer and smash at the floorboards. Underneath is a body all wrapped up. Now, Jeffrey's outside. He's smashing at the floorboards and bangs on Edward's door again. Edward looks at the mirrored figure. It seems to say... Okay, I'll slum it. Bring Tubby in. <laughs> Edward opens the door. Jeffreys pushes past and Edward stabs him in the back. His cat leaps from his arms and the frightening face fades away. It, he almost... The, the face almost goes... Ooh. Yeah, he's good thinking, oh, it's going to be a lot of work. G- give me a day. It's it's like when you you use the bathroom, it's like, oh, give it a few minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Just hang on. You don't want to go in there. Yeah. Later, we see Edward slumped on the floor. The smoky spirit speaks to him. Edward, this I fear is the end. It is to be regretted that our fruitful relationship must terminate. But the vessel is in more respects than one full and indeed overflowing. Now I am replete. The wheel has turned full circle. Almost. I'm getting the chills. Uh, turn your heating on. Yeah, I should do. It's probably cold. Bloody boiler, yeah. 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 And the fateful figure appears in the room, no longer imprisoned in the mirror. You alone can seal that circle. Give me the power to walk abroad and join the others. Oh, Walk abroad? Just wants a holiday. <laughs> it would be funny if this is all he was doing it for. He just wanted to go to Bogner. Yeah, yeah. But Bogner's not abroad, pal. <laughs> I realised that as further. I said it. Think as further, I said it, mate. I realised that. <laughs> okay. I mean, it may be abroad for you people in Reading. <laughs> you people in Reading, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The others, says Edward, we sit in high places and fan this card and that card and all the cards, major and minor. No, not going for that one. <laughs> I must smack my beer no? out then. Okay. All right. All right. Once beyond the ultimate, we can feed and gorge ourselves forever. What? What is the ultimate, asks Edward? Oh, they made Luna Jetman for the Spectrum. <laughs> That's a deep pull, isn't it? And I'll play the game. Mm. That'll please one of one of our listeners. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The grotesque gent says he can assist Edward to go there. Edward trance-like hands him the knife. 
grip my shoulders, says the figure. Now, frost forward. Hang on, sunshine. What's, what, what's your game here? <laughs> I was thinking, I mean, grip my shoulders and thrust forward. You probably heard this in uh, some of those dodgy laboratories that you used to frequent back in the 80s, didn't you? Wow, that's really made up. That's desperate, bro. <laughs> that's like, like throwing a shade, isn't it? Well, it's usually you throwing it at me, Colin, so I thought I'd throw one back. I know, but usually you deserves it. Ooh! What? That, that came out wrong. <laughs> Frankie? <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't help my case, did it? <laughs> no, it didn't. No, no, no. But Edward impales himself on the knife and falls. Have patience, says the figure. You have all of eternity. We zoom out from Edward's body and hear a cat meowing. You know, that cat's, cat's going to eat him, right? <laughs> but this is my thing, right? They find all these bodies and Edward, half eaten by the cat. Mm-hmm. They're going to think the cat did all the killings. What, and buried the people under the floorboards? Cats are good. I mean, they dig. You've seen them in the litter tray. This is true, and they're sneaky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this cat is going to be in prison for a crime it did not commit. And then he's going to escape. Oh, here we and go. then he's going to here do a TV go. series. <laughs> I'm just making this up now. <laughs> about a cat on the run, but helps other people. I'd watch it. Yeah, I know you would, but you'd watch any old shit. <laughs> As as retrospection has proven, over seventy odd episodes, yes. You know, you know what what the series would be called about the cat that is now helping people, but is on the run from the law. Go on. The Spay Team. <laughs> you know all that is made up, right? You're good. You're working on your feet tonight, aren't hey, you? Yeah. I know. Right. I'm enjoying this, but but you know, cut the bit out where I say it's all made. Of course, up. I will. I'll make you look good. Don't, don't you worry. Don't. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't want to look like I'm feeling good about this. No, 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 no. We don't want smugness, <sighs> do we? No, that's your job. <laughs> we cut to workmen redecorating the apartment. We then cut to a new couple playing backgammon opposite the mirror. Apparently the mirror comes with the place. I think they just left it. I mean, it. that's the first thing I... Sorry, go on. I think they just left it on the wall, haven't they? That's the first thing I get rid of. Yeah, but it's an antique. Yeah, all right. Mm. It's not attractive, though. No, but you've got, you got to go with it, haven't you? I do like this montage of all the all different right. people moving in and out of the flat over the years. Yeah, it's a nice touch, and you see it from the mirror's viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good idea. Finally, one woman says, That mirror looks like something in a medium's parlour. Well, <laughs> let's hold a seance, says another. It's seance time. Mm. A woman lights a candle and smoke wafts up past the mirror. Edward's face appears. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming that once in a while somebody was like, that that mirror looks like something in a medium's parlour. Well, let's hold a seance. And then 
he get Edward gets all excited and he's like, yes, finally, 60 years I've been waiting. And then another person's like, nah, seances are stupid. Let's play Twister. And he's like, no, no, seance, do the seance. <laughs> he's just watching them play Twister on the other side of the mirror. Yeah, he's like, oh, you put your left arm on the green set. Oh, <laughs> it's easy. Just do it. Screaming, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, oh, God, the plain mousetrap. <laughs> Not mastermind. It was the 70s, so, you know. Do you mastermind? You know, that weird game that no one ever knew how to play it with the woman on the box. Is that the one where, where the, the box had the cover of the guy who sat at the table with the that's Asian the one. woman leaning that's on him? That's the one, yes. Yeah, that's a weird box. That set, is a isn't weird it? box, yes. But that, 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 was, that was probably what they would have played. So we have a circular fade onto an ornament that looks like a, a giant brooch? Yeah, I'm not quite sure what this is. But it's in the window, isn't it? I don't know what this. Yeah, it, it's in every space. Mm between the stories and I don't know what it's signifying maybe it just maybe it's just a nice thing to focus on to focus in and focus out on as a transition yeah maybe yeah. yeah so it's sitting in the window of the antique store and we pull back and see the proprietor shaking his mm-hmm. head like so he's seen everything that's yeah. happened yeah mm, okay we're now in segment two an act of kindness. A man enters the alleyway. He looks like a right wrong and a no mistake. Yeah, he's got a flat cap, he's got mutton chops. And a man in a suit approaches, and this first guy scurries away. The suited man is Christopher Lowe, and he also looks into the window. He spies a medal. The proprietor opens a curtain in the window and gestures to it. Christopher smiles, but shakes his head. He walks away, but it's clear that yeah. he's still interested. He passes a man selling matches and laces. This is Jim Underwood. On the man's box he's carrying is written ex-serviceman. Christopher notices this and buys some laces, dropping the money into his tin. Jim stirs at him until Christopher has dropped the right amount. You're a gent, sir, he says. Christopher arrives home. He enters the living room and sits down. His wife Mabel is knitting... And the TV is on. Is it a TV or the radio? I, can't I think it was out. the TV. I think the TV's on in the corner of the room. Okay. His son, Stephen, is doing schoolwork at the table. Nobody greets mm-hmm. each other. Christopher takes out the laces and tells Mabel he bought them from one of those peddlers. Vega, she says. He hands them over to her. She takes one and snaps it. Now, how much did you give him? 30 pence. In fairness... Diana Dawes in this film looks like she could snap a brick without breaking to a sweat. She she looks tough, doesn't she? Mabel says, he must have thought you were right, Mug. He's probably got more money than you'll see in a lifetime. Stephen, the son, pipes up that a kid at school says he knows a man that sells matches by the station and he has a Rolls Royce. Christopher says he's never heard such nonsense. But Mabel says, with a few mugs like him, beggars could run a fleet of Rolls Royces. And then we cut to Mabel throwing Christopher's plate of food on the table. Mm-hmm. Christopher complains that it's sausages again. Well, Mabel says if she just give him some more money, they could eat something different. Christopher says he gives her an adequate allowance, but Mabel says prices are not what they used to be. This is a weird thing, isn't it? This story's got a kind of a strange tone to it. I mean, 
the guy gives his quote-unquote housewife an allowance and she cooks and she cleans and, and and in that respect in that part of the 70s you would think that the the dynamic would be that he would be in charge and she would be the subservient housewife but she's the one that wears right. the trousers i mean she he's he's yeah. browbeaten and she's constantly berating him so she's the strong one he's the weak he's weak by the way i'd eat those sausages you do any sausage? Oh, hang on, hang on, I, hang on yeah. a minute, <laughs> hang on a minute. I know what you're doing here. Christopher angrily asks if she has any complaints. Babel returns with, "Don't speak to me like that. You're not working now, talking to your girls. You may be the boss there, but I know what you really are: jump top clerk. It was different when we got married. You were a sergeant in the pay corps, soft job, civilian future." <sighs> Some future. All right. He starts to bash the table. He won't be spoken to that way. Don't get violent with me, she says. He gets up and leaves. The son is laughing, but she tells him to get on with his dinner. Let's, the son is annoying, right? Uh, yeah, and he also he also looks like, how how is that son a product of these two? Yeah. Mm. And at this point, I'd be like, you know... There's a mirror I've heard about. <laughs> and that doesn't eat sausages. Well, I don't know. Likes a bit of meat. We cut to another day and Christopher is walking home from work. He meets the peddler from yesterday and tells him he's out of matches. He hands over some money. The peddler thanks him and that he's a generous man. Christopher says it's nothing and that he was in the army. Oh, I knew you'd be a military man, says the peddler. Grand days. I wish I was back there. The peddler asks him what unit he was in. Christopher, not wanting to reveal that he was just a pay clerk, fudges the answer by saying he was attached to, to the infantry. The peddler says, Boy, I bet you were decorated. Christopher, not able to stop the lie at this point, says, Yes, as a matter of fact. Not sure the peddler believes him. No, he's, Christopher leaves. He's full of shit, isn't he, basically? He's lying. He's never been in the army. Yeah, and we know that the... Well, we don't know, but we suspect that the peddler is a word. Well, this is the thing I was going to say. I think that these are the two, two... There's lots of good performances in this film, I think, but these are two of the best ones. Ian Bannon's fantastic as this pathetic man who's who's so browbeaten and downtrodden and that he just wants to... He just wants someone to see him and be be in awe of him in some way to mean something to somebody. And then Donald Pleasance is fantastic as this kind of very, um, in one way, sinister, but in another way, he's kind of amused by him. He's playing along with it because obviously he's got an ulterior motive. But um, mm -hmm. So he, he, he plays up to him, but he does it in a way that, that's kind of very condescending and, and sarcastic, but, but, but uh, Banner's character doesn't get it at all. Doesn't see that. He sees what he wants to see. Which is this guy that, that that thinks he's really important? Yeah, and I think as the audience, you don't. I don't think you see it as being sarcastic until you get to the part later. But then thinking back, you realise it is. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We cut to the antique store, and Christopher is looking at the medal again. He says it's to replace the one he lost. The proprietor asks if Christopher has a certificate to show he won it. And Christopher, of course, hasn't. 
but he says he won it in the desert with Monty. He says he'll bring the certificate next time, but the proprietor won't let him take the medal unless he has this certificate. Otherwise, everybody would have one. The proprietor places the medal back in the case, but leaves it unlocked and slightly open, almost like he's tempting Christopher. Yeah. yeah. I've got to say as well, um, Peter Cushing's performance, I love the little... Um, the little things that he throws in there like when you said that he was oh, oh Mon- monty's lot uh, and as he's talking he's just kind of muttering under his breath he goes oh yeah very warm out there yeah oh yeah yeah yes yeah yeah it is good yeah christopher says goodbye and the proprietor heads to the back of the store through a beaded curtain but we see a hand we know it's christopher's mm-hmm. reach in and grab the medal the proprietor enters back through the curtain he knows what Christopher has done. And he hears the bell mm-hmm. of the door close. And he looks at the empty glass case. Naughty. You shouldn't have done that, yeah. he says. But it's his fault for leaving the glass door open. Again, though, I think he's being sarcastic. He wanted him to take it. No. You don't like no, it, do you? You don't, It's entrapment. No, no, no. It's demonic no, entrapment. Don't like you don't like it. All right. No, no, no. We cut to Christopher showing the medal to the peddler. The peddler says he's been thinking. I was wondering whether he would do him the honour of coming round to his place and having a cup of tea. He says Emily and his daughter will be proud, but don't be afraid to refuse. No, no hard feelings. But Christopher says maybe one evening, but he's not mm. keen. Oh, how about Thursday, says the peddler. And Christopher feels trapped in agreeing. Go on, I can see where this is going. Go on. No, I have nothing. I was going to say, it's a bit like when I'm trying to convince you to record a podcast. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm trapped. Can't do it. Can't, can't get out of it. What about Thursday? Oh, what no. about Friday? What about Saturday? What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm, 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 I'm washing. I'm washing somebody else's hair. <laughs> Later, he's at home, and Mabel says something. Weird happened to her today. A man took a picture. Christopher asked if it was one of those, you know, peddlers or salesmen. Did he give her a card to fill out? She says no. He says, oh, he probably didn't think you were a likely customer. In the background, the son does his usual Mm -hmm. snickering. And Mabel tells him to get on with his homework. Now, when you learn what happens later... The snickering takes on a different yes. form. Yeah, you think he's just laughing at the joke that that, that his dad's made about his, his mum not being very attractive. But really, he's snickering because of what's going to happen later. Because he's in on it. He's in on it, yeah. isn't he? Oh, give the game away. Oh, people have seen it. <laughs> no, nobody's mm. seen this. Oh, they have, trust me. <laughs> Next day, Christopher is walking along the peddler's street, but he's in there. Suddenly, the peddler springs from nowhere, all spruced mm-hmm. up, because he doesn't want to shame Christopher, so he says. He leads him to a place. He tells Christopher to look out for the sixth step and that Emily can't wait to meet him. Emily is, of course, his daughter. Played by Donald Pleasant's real daughter. Yeah. She's a scary piece of work. She, she could only be Donald Pleasant's daughter, couldn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah, 
He introduces her to Christopher and reveals that his name is Jim Underwood. They have tea and Jim is proud of his daughter's cake and that she's a deep one. Reads books with jaw-cracking words. Say, say something from one of those books, he asks. Emily recites, judicial matters are a matter for prudential judgment. Christopher says that words are like toys. The more we have, the more we are enriched. He, he seems uncomfortable, though. He's uncomfortable because he's the kind of guy that he's not probably not used to, to people hanging on his every word. So he doesn't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. they don't. People don't normally think him as being a gentleman or, or upper or, class or, or want educated. to know what he has to say, want to hear what he has to say. So he's, uh, put, he's kind of put on the spot, yeah, but that's I think true. He, he's uncomfortable. He's kind of enjoying it, though, I think. Well, you would, wouldn't you, Paul? If you were in a situation where people actually looked up to you for a change, you would enjoy I'll let it, you wouldn't know. you, Paul? I mean, think about how that would feel. I mean, you can only imagine, but have a go. I'll let you know when it happens. All right. Okay. Oh, no, don't wait that long. <laughs> Jim says that Emily should listen because it's not often they have an educated gent speak. Emily asks if he'd like another piece of cake. Back at home, Christopher is eating his sausage and beans and staring at his wife as she smokes at the table. I love the cut um, where they cut from the way that he's looking at Emily and then the way that he's looking at his wife with such disgust. Yeah, yeah, and they're both like he's having a nice piece of cake and now we're having sausage and beans yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, it's good. I hope you're getting paid for all this overtime that you're doing, she says. So he hasn't told her where he's been going and it sounds like he's been there more than once at this I, point. I think the assumption is that, that time's passed a little bit and that he's been a few times. Yeah, yeah. He says executive staff are not paid overtime. She mocks him that a machine operator brings home twice his money every week. How long is it going on, she asks. A few weeks, he replies. The next day, Christopher passes Jim again as he sells his matches. Shall we have the honour again, he asks. Yes, replies Christopher, and he looks happy mm -hmm. about it at mm -hmm. this point. He's like, oh, yes, indeed, isn't he? He's like, can't wait to get around there. Yeah, 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 yeah. We cut to Mabel on the bus with Steve. Uh, I don't get this scene because we don't do this at any other point in the story and it's of no use whatsoever. What? The the cutting of the hair? No, no, the cut to... It's, it's Steve and Mabel on the bus for like two seconds. Yeah, but they're on the bus and someone cuts her hair, don't... Behind them. Oh, I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, they're sitting on... I generally... I, oh, yeah, I generally didn't the, see that. They're sitting okay. on the bus, and then behind them, you see these hands slowly reach forward with a pair of scissors, and they take a little snip of her hair. Why didn't I see that? Oh, that's weird. Okay, now that that makes sense mm -hmm. to me now. Okay, now I'm happy because before I was like, yeah, "What the no, hell?" No. It's for what's coming later, obviously. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Uh, all right. Meanwhile, at Jim's Emily is showing him a gold wristwatch. Christopher has bought it for Emily. And he shakes Christopher's hand and notices his cuffs are frayed. Before his wife would take care of that. At first, Christopher says, oh, she's busy. But then he admits, meh, she's not. 
that she spends half the day at bingo gossiping with friends and that the house is a disgrace. Jim says, that's a crying shame. Mm -hmm. Later that night, Mabel and Edward are in bed, but Mabel's sleep is disturbed. She's moaning as a sound of a howling wind. And as the camera pans up, we see Emily, white-faced and dressed in black, holding a dagger. She approaches Mabel. She gently pushes Mabel's hair back with the dagger, then frosts against her chest. Mabel screams. Edward quickly turns the light on. There's nobody there. What, what's the matter? Bad dream, she says. A bad dream. And turns her back on him. Edward turns the light off. The next day, Edward is at Jim and Emily's. She has made him a pie. Jim says he can't stay as he has a date with the lads. But that Emily will look after Christopher. Jim says he'll be back around midnight. Throws a salute, then leaves. Emily hands in some of her steak and kidney pie with gravy. Looks nice. She's mm. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. She starts singing as Christopher munches on her moist pie. Yeah, he does. He starts eating the pie. Yeah, yeah he does. Slurping yeah. it up. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. stop. Oh, yeah, he mm. loves that pie. I mean, it's very juicy. Looks very juicy. Oh, yeah. And meaty. Yeah, yeah. seems yeah. to be. Yeah. yeah. Soon you'll be oh, free. God, he's doing it. He's she doing says. it. Oh, I wondered if he would. Hey, right. yeah, yeah. The chains will fall. That will be parted no more. The dead cat clutch can't hold on tight. Eaten by worms in the cold winters. But, you know, yeah, yes. This is a right banger, isn't it? Do you know, do you know Chaz and Day's rabbit talking? <laughs> the dead cat clutch can't hold on tight. <laughs> Wait, what's that? Is that, is that, that your is Chaz, and Chaz and Day impression? impression yes. <laughs> as good as it gets. Carry on, carry on. It's good, this. No, it'd be more like, like rabbit, 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 soon you'll be through the chai's well fall. Then we patty no more. The dead cat clutch piano plug in ink. Yes. Like that kind of thing. I like that. It's good. You should release yeah. that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've released a few <laughs> things. <laughs> mm. That That's that's a funny song, says Christopher. No. No, no, Christopher, it's not. You know what's a funny song? Rabbit Talking by Chaz and Dave. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't do the best bit. What's the best bit? There's a best bit? All right. Tell me the best bit. It's the bit at the end when she says, um, he comes from where, where nobody knows, but we knows what we knows, and we keeps it to ourselves. Sorry. Yeah, that's the best bit. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I like no, no, dance no, to that, wouldn't you? No, nothing freaky about this uh, at all, is there? I mean, he's perfectly, he thinks it's quite amusing. Well, yeah, I mean, she says, singing was I? Apparently, one of the books she has read is How to Correctly Speak You Can by Yoda. <laughs> it's a bit Yoda-ish, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Singing was I? <laughs> mm. It was very nice, says Christopher. Liar! <laughs> 
Well, he's, he's got a mouth full of pie. What's he going to say? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing she can sing when he's got a mouthful of a pie. All that gristle. Gristle? Mm. Well, it's got to be gristle. It looks gristly, doesn't it? Gristle sounds like a good name for a 70s band. The Gristle. Yeah, mm. Herd Gristle. Oh, yeah. Tough Gristle. <laughs> I tell you like that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you eat Greg's. Oh. <laughs> In the line. I did get a bit excited. For a, for a, <clears throat> pastry. <laughs> so this is a spell. It wasn't really sync. So this is a spell, isn't it, that she's really doing? It's not. She's not Apparently, doing, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I don't know, because it's a spell that doesn't work. Perfectly, because he doesn't like suddenly switch into a way of thinking. Mm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes, I, I think it's an uh, incantation of some sort. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. It's certainly not a song. No, no. As much as we'd love it to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't really singing, says Emily, which is the most truthful thing that's been said in the last few minutes. <laughs> Very true, yes. Very true. Yeah, 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 yep, yep. You're a lonely man, she says. Oh, not when I'm with you, he replies. Yeah, I didn't like the way you said that, but go on. All right. Your body is aging, but you are not. And that woman is not a wife to you. Christopher has never heard her speak like this before. She says, I wish to serve you. Well, she did with her tasty pie. Yes. Yeah. She goes behind him and holds his forehead and says she'll do anything for him. Anything at all. You only have to order. One pie to go, please. <laughs> so <I'll> say that. <laughs> this story would take a, a funny turn if that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, it would. But you must order. It must be your will. Christopher seems dazed. He says, y- y- your will. Then then we cut to Christopher in bed next to Emily. She wakes and sits up. She rises and puts on a necklace. Edward wakes up and reaches out for his shirt. He seems bewildered. I'm not being funny. There's no way I'd be sleeping around this woman. You wouldn't? Oh, no, you won't be. Wink, wink, sleeping. I'd be... uh, (laughs) I'd be straight out there. Don't you worry about that. Straight up there? Straight out of there. I'll be straight. Oh, sorry. I was, trying, I, was tra- I was trying to do a bit of a. Uh, I'll be straight out of there. Straight out of there. Oh, well, try to do a bit of what? I was trying. To, well, I was trying to do a bit of cotton and geezer, you know, but it didn't work. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Whew. On on the spectrum of cockney geezer, if I'm looking from the viewpoint of a cockney mm-hmm. geezer, oh, what of a cockney geezer? I can see. I can see, right. I can see you in the distance. Oh, a cockney geezer. Right. I can see you in the distance. Mm-hmm. Running away. <laughs> that's the only, Screaming. That's the only thing to do. You run away. Mm. Yeah. All right. All right. Emily enters the other room and places a black mamba. Sorry, candlestick. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Slip there. On the side I watched the wrong movie again. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah. She lights it. 
we hear a Welsh choir. How they can fit in the room, I'll never know, but Emily's been busy with the local Welsh rugby team, apparently. It's bigger on the inside. <laughs> oh, genuine joke. <laughs> From Paul. Chuckling on the inside, which is bigger. Yes. <laughs> she places a candle on the table. Edward enters. Emily says he must tell her girl what he wants her to do. Edward says, about what, darling? <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does, yes. He does. Not making that bit up. No, he does. That bit is actually in the film. There's a lot of uh, instances in this film of people dropping their accents in weird moments, isn't there? Yeah. Especially in the next story. There is. Yeah. yeah. She takes a small blade and then indicates something on the table covered in a black doily. Shall I uncover it? She says. If you like, replies Edward. No, if you like, says Emily. Somebody better like, or this could go on for a while. (laughs) Fortunately, Edward blinks first and tells her to uncover it. She reveals a small doll of Eddie's (laughs) art. I was thinking, it's the worst Diana Dawes action figure that I've ever seen. Uh, it is, and you've seen a few in your I time. Have. I have. Yeah, bit of a surprise, but actually, he's supposed to be a doll of Mabel. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. She heats up the blade in the candle and points it at the doll. Edward stops her. Why? Demands to know Emily. She'll make your life miserable and not improve with age, whereas one quick stab just order me. Do what you want, he says. Then you order me? Finally, he says, "Ah, if it makes you happy, drive the thing in. I I obey your order, she says. Which, I'm not sure he actually ordered her. I think she's taking a very loose term of the word order, but okay. She stabs a doll. Blood comes from its mouth. It's a trick, says Edward. You can't kill somebody that way. How did he know that stabbing the doll was killing? I think at this point he's probably Mabel. put two and two together, hasn't he? I mean, he he's, he he's kind of worked out what what this doll is. I mean, if she's made a doll of his wife and then she's stabbing it and blood's coming out the mouth. So if you saw a doll that very vaguely looked like your wife, and the woman was going, "If I stab this," <laughs> you'd be like. <gasps> My wife is going to die. Or would you be like, you're a nutcase? Obviously, the answer is you're a nutcase. Mm. Yeah. All right. Emily tells him to go home and see. And he does. He enters his home and shouts for Mabel. And he sees his son crying on the stairs. He climbs them slowly. A hand falls in front of him. Mabel is dead on the landing. Edward grabs his son and demands to know what happened. Stephen says that mum went to answer the door. There was a lady dressed in black. She had a pin. The doorbell chimes and the door slowly opens. Edward turns and there is Jim and Emily dressed in funeral clothes. Jim salutes. Emily smiling. A bridal orchestra starts as they both approach Edward. Stunned, Edward stumbles down the stairs. We cut to Emily and Edward's wedding. Edward asks Emily to cut the cake. Do you want me to, she says. And then she says to her dad, 
do you want me to? Do you think she's like this with everything? <laughs> Would you like a cup of tea? Do you want me to have a cup of tea? I'm just asking if you want one. Are you ordering me to have one? No, I'll have one if you order me to. Oh, do you want a Garibaldi? If you order, oh, for fuck. <laughs> I, 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 I was. I've, I think what happens next is is, is good for him. <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> it's a relief. Let's be honest at this point. So, so, so no police investigation. Nothing suspicious about him instantly marrying right after his wife either dies or is murdered. Because it's a bit hazy on that, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's not mentioned mm, at all mm, whatsoever. Mm. There is no investigation yeah, work. No, no. Just get just get to the end oh, as fast oh. as we can. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. She slices into the cake's groom's head and blood pours out. We cut to Edward. Blood is flowing from his head and he collapses onto the table. You see, Stephen, says Jim and Emily, finishing their sentences. We always answer children's prayers. In one way or another, finishes Jim. So... Stephen has no parents now, off to an orphanage or a life of crime, and he'll finish up on the streets or doing time. Lonely, penniless, unwashed, without means. He's just dreaming of those sausages and beans. Back when he had parents to cuddle and love, but now he's got nothing but Dave, the fingerless glove. Steve and his woolly mate together in itchy love because Steve's allergic to that woolly glove. Probably should throw it away, but Dave's... Here to stay. Well, we, we've had we've had a couple of singles. That's the is that the B side or is that the A side? I think that could be A. That could be the A side. Oh, yeah. it's definitely a B oh, side. Oh, I think that's an A side. If if you could do an album with a F side, <laughs> that would be it. <laughs> so it's a good ending. It's a good ending to this story, I think, isn't it? It makes no sense whatsoever, Paul. But it's. He asked for help to get rid of his parents. Yeah, but help would have been making his parents more understanding to each other and loving, not remove his parents. What the hell is he going to do? He's got no parents. He's, he, he is an orphan now. But he did. He, but he's a kid. He's not going to think that through properly, is he? And and them all loving each other isn't. A, it's a horror movie. They're not. They're not going to do that. Yeah, that's bullshit. <clears throat> all right. No, I'm not keen on... I'm, I'm genuinely not keen on the ending. Okay, all right. This is my least favourite tale. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I know people okay. like it. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. So we close on that same brooch again in the antique store. So we cut back to the shop where our creepy proprietor is watching the potential robber through the window. The criminal makes his move towards the shop, but quickly thinks twice, when a bowler-hatted briefcase and umbrella-carrying man in a suit heads into the shop before he can. This is Reginald Warren, who, after thinking that the shopkeeper isn't around, makes his way to a glass case containing lots of snuff boxes. Mm, yeah. Opening the case, he picks up an ornate-looking silver one labelled £40. £40! It's expensive, it's expensive right? For, that day and for age. 74, yeah. Yeah. And you've got to say that Ian Carmichael's really having fun, isn't he, in this part, I think. 
I, I, I'm a fan of Ian Carmichael. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love his films. I love the little touch where he, he blows the, he picks up the, the, the uh, stuff box and he blows the dust off it and then distastefully brushes it off his shoulders as well. Yeah, I wonder how much is scripted and how much is just Ian Carmichael playing just with Just riffing it. on him, on himself, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would like to know. It's interesting. There's some stuff later that he does mm. that's the same. So, picking up another snuff box labelled £5, he shiftily swaps the price labels around. Yeah, and that, it's amazing this proprietor does any business at all because everybody is trying to rip him off. Well, we keep arguing about this, don't we? <laughs> he wants people to rip him off. I know, but then that makes him the bad guy. He should be the one facing all these evils. But he is the bad guy. So he's evil. He's evil. He could be the devil. So it's, for it, it's an evil antique store. Yeah. yeah, he could be the devil. He used to say he's even human, which he obviously isn't when we get to the end of the movie. Well, I don't know about that. All right. Okay, we'll talk about it then when we get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But unknown to him, the proprietor is watching through the eyes of a gold mask in the corner. He is, yeah. Good morning, sir. Actually, I can't I can't do a northern accent. <laughs> well, that's because you've gone all posh now and upper class try, try, down in the south. You just lost your origins. Lost where you're from, Paul. I need to get in touch with my roots. Good morning, sir. Can I tempt you with anything? Says the proprietor. I was a bit Thomas the Tank Engine, but we'll go with it. Yeah, all right. He steps out holding a stuffed crocodile, making Reg jump. Yeah, I didn't notice it was a stuffed yeah, crocodile. Yeah, he's got a little... I think it's a baby crocodile. It's not very big. Oh, right. Because mm-hmm. okay. he says, oh, this is a nice piece as well, isn't it? As he's putting it aside. Why would you like a stuffed crocodile? <laughs> I think the idea is he's just got loads of crap everywhere, hasn't he? Yeah. Crap. Yeah, yeah. Reg explains that he's been looking for a snuff box and points out the ornate silver one. He looks at the price, giving Reg a look that says... I know exactly what you've done. And then tells him that the price is £5. So he knows what he's done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't like it. You don't okay. like it. Nope. Nope. But then Reg has the has the, the the balls to actually haggle him down to £4 as well. So he's obviously, he's he, not only is he dishonest, but he's also a skinflint on top. I know. I know. Uh, you like him, don't you? <laughs> he's a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's a feeling of... Uh, kinship. Companionship. Kinship. Yeah, kinship, yeah. 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 Reluctantly, the proprietor sells, and as Reg leaves, he tells him, I hope you enjoy snuffing it. It's a good line. Oh, yeah, and you did it. It's a good, good, good yeah, accent. Yeah, I'm getting better as I go along, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on his train journey home, Reg is reading his newspaper when a strange, eccentric woman keeps harassing him. There's an elemental on your shoulder, she tells him. Did you like that? No. I'm going to keep doing no. it. The, the, the snuffing it line was much better. Are you are? Uh? I am, yeah. All right, watch the download stop. <laughs> At first, Reg shrugs her off, but she persists, slicing through his newspaper with her umbrella at one point. Yeah, she's very aggressive. He's a killer, she goes on. Nasty, a real stinker. And he's growing stronger, she tells him. 
Madam, will you kindly desist, he says irritably. Yeah, very, very English. Again, it's a case, of, I think, of the actress here just having a blast playing this outrageous, quirky character. I think we've got two two very good actors at this point. Yeah, and we should say this is Margaret Layton, who's like a... Um, yeah. a, a, a how can I put it? She's um, she's old school. She's old school, oh. isn't she? she? Yes. She's... Yeah, she's a she's a she's a a legend of British cinema, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she's not to be deterred. Have you been feeling unwell? She asks. Weak, overtired. He's feeding on you, and I've never seen a homicidal one before. Alcoholic, yes. Sex starved, certainly, but not a killer. Sex starved, alcoholic. Paul, Paul, I'm an elemental. Yeah, I was thinking, that's your Tinder profile, Colin, right? It is. That explains why I've had no matches. <laughs> you just I, need... I, should, I should cut out the alcoholic. Oh, you don't cut out the alcoholic, ever. Oh, keep that. Just cut out the sex staff. <laughs> cut, cut out the sex staff. Nobody wants okay. to hear that, do they? <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. So You're taking advice from me. All right. I know, yeah. This is where we are in 2020. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird year. It is very weird. She explains that an elemental is a spirit of earth, fire and water. I love their music in the 70s, by the way. I know. They were great. I didn't think they were so destructive. Neither do I. Soul destructive. No. no. Yeah, maybe. A disembodied creature that lusts after the pleasures of the flesh. It sucks the very juices from your soul. She then examines... She then examines his shoulder, exclaiming that the vicious creature just spat at her. Ugh. You don't want an elemental spitting at you, do you? Well, not unless I paid enough. Oh, yeah. Needless to say, Reg isn't believing a word of this. The woman gives Reg her card. Madame Orloff, clairvoyant extraordinaire, and says that he should give her a call. Reasonable fees, she says as well. Doesn't, doesn't he try to rub it off? He does try and rub it off, yeah. Yeah, and, and and she says, oh, you can't just rub him off. Mm-hmm. But in fairness, you've had to rub off a few em- elementals in your time, Paul, haven't you? Back in Bangkok, during the uh, War of the Appetizers, and that's just for starters. <laughs> yeah, you've excelled yourself, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Reg arrives home, and he greets his dog, Mr. Hawkins. Oh. Do you think the card that she gave him just said crazy person? <laughs> what, you think that's all he said? Yeah, it just said crazy person. He's like, oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. I that's think, what my cards say. I think that's what, what all that he's inferring from it is that she is a crazy person. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But the dog just barks and runs out when it sees him. But, yeah, because dogs don't like elementals. Yes. In fairness, Elementals, it sounds like a Motown band. It's Fire Lennox and the Elementals. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't listen to that. It's not, my, it's not my bag. His wife greets him and asks for a gin and tonic, which he brings to her in the kitchen as she's making dinner. Reg wonders aloud about the dog. His wife notices Reg is hunching his left shoulder a bit. He shrugs and says he's off to have a bath. Suddenly, his wife drops her drink, exclaiming in shock, and clutches herself. 
She accuses him of hitting her, but he denies it completely. But she isn't convinced. Hmm. Wow. Because apparently she's an idiot. She seems to be. Yeah, because uh, I assume you were just about to say this, that she examines her shoulder and it's got scratches on it. She does. She pulls down her dress. Well, not obviously not pulls it down, but pulls down one of the... Yeah. No, That would no, be a completely no. different... <laughs> I've seen those 70s movies. <laughs> Very yeah. different film. We've watched a few yeah, of those, yeah, but not yeah. this one. Research. It's called Research, Colin. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. She checks under her dress. That sounds even worse. <laughs> <laughs> it did, yeah. She pulls down the shoulder of her dress. Where... Yeah. And there are scratches but... on her shoulder, like claw marks. Yes, but... The fabric is not torn. Yes, so it's obviously some spooky dookie thing going on. Also, he was nowhere near her. This is true. You don't know how many gin Which, and tonics she's had at that point, though, do you? Yeah, that. oh, that's true. It was the, uh, yeah, the 70s. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'd had a mm-hmm. few. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. You know, she's been at home all day, you know. On there, yeah. you know. And he, he, he leaves to go and have his bath, but I like that he leaves... And then he's like, ah, I'll take my gin and tonic. He with does, me. doesn't he? He comes back yeah. and gets it. <laughs> Which I think is an, is, I don't know whether it is the actor's decision, but it's the kind of thing I'd expect him to do. It's the kind of thing you'd expect that actor to do in, in the kind of roles that you're used yeah, to seeing yeah. in here, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would imagine that they gave him um, sort of free reign to a certain extent. Oh, yeah. If, you, if you're going to get Ian Carmichael, you're going to let him do his yeah, thing. Yeah, if you employ you? him. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to tell. You're going to say, oh, okay, this is what we'd like you mm-hmm. to do, even though you've been in some of the greatest British comedies of all yeah. time. Yeah, definitely. You're going to yeah. trust his judgment, yeah. aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Later, they're both sleeping. Susan asks Reg to stop squeezing her hand so hard. But we can see that he's facing the complete opposite direction in the bed. Yeah. Yeah. You must cut your nails, she says, when suddenly she begins to struggle. Someone is strangling her. Yeah, obviously not him, which she could see. <laughs> but it's that it's that thing, isn't it, where you're supposed to infer that the room's dark, even though we can see it's not. You know what? That didn't actually didn't occur to me, <laughs> because... It's a well-lit room. Mm. It didn't occur to me that obviously it's nighttime, they're sleeping, there would be no lights on mm-hmm. normally, and so she wouldn't be able to see who mm-hmm. it is. Because Reg turns on the light, yeah, knocking he... the lamp off the off the little bedside table. Yeah, making no difference to the light Wait, whatsoever. It just goes up a little bit, doesn't it? But you're supposed to infer that they are yeah, in pitch darkness, yeah. I think. It's that movie thing, you know. Wow, okay, all right. bit more yeah. palatable now, is it? A little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it much, works. It works better bit. in this instance than it did in the kitchen. When you think about yes. it in those terms. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's terrified, accusing him of trying to strangle her with awful hands like talons, and the stench in the bed is just terrible. Yeah, you've been there, right? <laughs> Haven't we all, eh? Friday night, yeah. three a.m. Yeah. Why Friday, Paul? Pretty sure. Back in the day, Any Friday day. was the night, wasn't it? Was it always Friday? Mm-hmm. Not anymore, obviously. I mean, I'm teetotal. Anyone that listens to this podcast knows that I'm teetotal. All right, moving on. Reg tries to... <laughs> One of us is. <laughs> One of us is, yes. 
One of us. Reg tries to comfort her, but she runs from the room, leaving Reg looking perplexed. But he's rubbing his shoulder. Yeah, could be mm-hmm. something. Thinking for a second. Could be arthritis. <laughs> Who's he? Arthritis? Wasn't he Wasn't he one of those oh. comedians in the uh, 1930s, in the music halls? He was. He worked, he worked with Tony Hancock until he got rid of him because he was too funny. Was he? Was he? Was he a bit stiff on stage yeah. as well? Yeah, he was. Yeah, doing all those shoulder yeah, gags. Yeah, yeah. Just didn't work. No, no. Yeah. A bit like this gag, really. No. What gag? The one that just keeps going, even though it's not yes, funny? Yeah. One of those gags. Hey, we could get on the fast show with this. We could. We just need a catchphrase. Yeah, and we need to be 20 years in the past. Arthritis. I bet he does. There we go. <laughs> We're done. It's easy. <laughs> Who'd have thought it, eh? Thinking for a second, he scrambles to find Madame Orloff's card. So he calls her. Yep, the one that says great, one that says best wishes, good luck with the baby. That card. That card, yeah. Not that card. Oh, sorry, not that card. Yeah. No, the one that says... A yeah, business yeah, card. Um, good luck on your new, your new job, that one. No, it says crazy That's person. He calls her yeah. and she remembers him. Unsurprised at what has happened, she agrees to visit. Yeah. Um, first of all, if you're an elemental and you can manoeuvre things around, wouldn't you rip the card up? <laughs> or pull the phone out of the socket. Also, isn't he listening to the conversation of him calling Madame Arloff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're doing that thing again that we always talk about. You're thinking about it. Oh, oh yeah, I should stop that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. She warns him not to eat anything at all as that would feed the creature. Because the creature's main objective is to get inside of someone and take them over. Yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> person I know is like that. What, like a parasite? Ah, never mind. Like a parasite. Yeah, like a parasite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sucking the marrow from your... We'll leave it there. Next day, Madame Orloff, after driving down in a rather expensive-looking hire car, which she's charging yeah, well, Reg it's, for. It, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she knows what the game is. She arrives at Reg and Susan's cottage. She remarks that the elemental has grown and is a, a bit pongy. Yeah, uh, also, the wife did mention that earlier, that there was a stench. In, in the, the bedroom, room. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did mention that. Oh, no, it, okay. I, I was listening. <laughs> Fuck me, no one's listening. In the living room, Orloff is introduced to Susan and remarks that the dog has run off, sensing the supernatural creature. Ooh, dogs are, dogs smart. are smart. You've always said that. Mm-hmm. I have, yeah. She goes on to explain that the creature latched onto Reg when he recently used the subway. That damned underground, she says, it's packed with them. <laughs> it, she's, she's just really fun to watch, isn't she? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, she's really good. It's very theatrical, though, this scene. In fact, the sound, I don't know what's going on, but it it kind of sounds like it's on, on a stage. stage. It does. It does. Yeah. Like, she really echoes. I, I, I love the thing, that, one of the things about her performance I love is how she, she's, she's doing this very posh upper class accent, but then occasionally she'll drop her H's, won't she? Yeah, like she's it, pretending to be somebody yeah, she's not. Yeah, it's all an act. Yeah. Yeah. And so the exorcism begins. They close the curtains and Madame Orloff sits Reg down into a chair, whispering to him that they 
Must get the elemental out, or he'll be at Susan's throat again, as sure as a cat has kittens. Mm. Yeah. Placing her hands onto Reg, she braces and begins. <clears throat> Dark! Oh, oh, I, oh, you're going to go into the yes. fourth thing. I'm sorry, I didn't realise you're going to do... You're going to do... Um, I am. You ready? You ready? Okay. okay. Yep, 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 yep. Strap I'm prepared. In. Like a captive audience, and I really am. Dark, foul thing from down below, get thee hence, or I'll bestow a curse upon your hardened soul and turn your black heart into coal. Door slam. Things crash from tables and a wind starts to howl. In fairness, though, foul, dark thing from below is what you say on the toilet. <laughs> no, it's, it's what the thing that... It's what the thing says to me. <laughs> and there are crashing and bashing at that point. Well, you know, so, some days are easier than others, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. That's true. She stops for a second just to tell Reg, don't grind your teeth. And she begins again. I'll force you out with all my strength. There's a loud bang and smoke billows from the fireplace. I'll squeeze you like a length of toothpaste until you scream with fear. Not a good rhyme, that is it? No, it's not. But it, I think it's a Sweeney line, isn't it? I'll squeeze you like a tube of toothpaste. <laughs> is or it really like that? Yeah, I think it's from the Sweeney. Yeah, yeah. or it is mm -hmm. used in the Sweeney. Yeah. yeah. She starts to squeeze Reg's face, manipulating it with her fingers. <laughs> I like Ian Carmichael's bemused expression. He's really selling it as well. Oh yeah, he, yeah. yeah he's yeah. good in this. I'll teach you who's master here. More things crash to the floor. Get out of it, you blackguarded basket. So this yeah. is where she starts to uh, drop her H's, isn't it? She says, I'll teach you yeah. who's master here. More things crash to the floor. Get out of it, you blackguarded basket. I'll crack your heart, you hellish lout. I'll crush your soul, I'll bash your snout. Get out, out. Out here, you're loving this, aren't you? Here, she stops for a second to get her breath and asks for a drop of whiskey, which she downs in one. My kind of woman. Yeah, it is. It's moments that, like this that I always envision our listeners looking at the phones and going, "How long is left?" <laughs> a bit more yet. Strap in. Ah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm Good strapped. Job. I'm sweating like a pig, she says. That's a good line. That made me laugh, that line. And then she leans into Reg and whispers that he needs to keep an eye on his wife. She's hot stuff. She'll attract them like flies to a dung heap, that one. Beginning again, Orloff presses oh. down hard onto Reg's head. Strain hard, she says to Reg. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. Before starting her inc incantation again. Fat, foul fiend, you know damn well you don't live here. Your place is hell. Bit personal, that, isn't it? Yeah, well, well, she gets personal with she the does. elementals. There's more crashing and objects flying around the room. Susan is terrified. Snarling, crawling, spitting Tom. Growling, howling, snarling. Harder, harder, get thee gone. The room is total chaos now, with stuff flying and smashing everywhere. 
Colin's doing doing the movements. You're you're selling it for him. No one can see you. Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah Max. Working yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Putting me in Join the moment. In. You're good. Yeah, good. Helping you. Flee through the windows. Fly through the gates. Flogged by my power. Flayed by my hate. May you burn in the fire. May you freeze in the flood. May your foul soul based in its own boiled blood. Explosions, crashing, thundering. A wind rips the curtains down. A poker hits the wall. It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah He's yeah. coming yeah, out, yeah. proclaims Madame Orloff. He's fighting well, every... <laughs> well, that's good. Shouldn't have to live a <laughs> lie. Especially in the 70s. He's fighting every inch. Out you go, my beauty. Out to the place where the pitch fires glow, where the white worms crawl from the sinner's grave. Bad, bad rhyme again. Leave us forever. Away. Uh. Away. Away. Uh. The TV explodes. Uh. Feathers fly everywhere. Oof. Go with it. The room is a whirlwind. Fe- wait, what? hold on. They got chickens in the room? I think they're supposed to be from the pillows in the... In the oh, they've got a lot of cushions? Yeah, in the cushions, yeah. But we'll... Okay, all right. <clears throat> all right. Suddenly it's over. Everything dies down. Well, says Orloff, looking at the room, it's a bit of a ruddy mess. Mm, another, she's not wrong. Another good line, though. She does these... She, yeah. She's so good in this. Yeah, yeah, she is. I'm afraid my fee will be £50, she says. But Reg says that she's worth every penny, but he still offers just to send her a cheque. You know that she's never getting this cheque, right? Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, he didn't get her address. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so who's he sending like, it to? Why, why couldn't he write the cheque right there and now? I'd be like, hold on, just just do the cheque now. It goes back to what happened in the, in the shop, doesn't it? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as she leaves, Reg hears barking. His dog has returned. Mm. Once it's all over, dog comes back. Yes. Smart dog. So later, they're enjoying a drink in the living room. It's all over now. When suddenly, yep. strange noises start upstairs. Suppose it's still here, says Susan, terrified. And the dog starts to bark. You, you say the dog starts to bark, but the dog is really slow to notice things are happening. Well, he's waiting for the trainer off camera to go, <laughs> Yeah, it appears so, yeah. yeah. Reg slowly starts up the stairs to investigate when a wind blows him back and he crashes down the stairs. Slowly, groggily, he comes around. Susan slowly walks up beside him. He looks up into her now cold, dead eyes. You denied me life, she says. She raises the poker and cracks his skull open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you say that. A few bits of blood. A few bits of blood, yeah. In PG, PG. In the wrong place yeah. of where an actual... Just go with it, just go with it. Okay, okay. Heading for the front door, laughing in a strange, inhuman voice, she cries, Life! 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 And then gets shot by the police. (laughs) (laughs) The SWAT team right outside, yeah. Yeah, for being a nutter. Um, She pushes the door off its hinges. She walks out into the night. 
the elemental is free. That door's not not fitted right, is it? It just comes off easy. No, it's not. Yeah, it just just falls apart. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of that story. Yeah, I don't know about you, but it it kind of seems harsh for swapping the price on a snuff box. <laughs> also, at this point, this guy is not going to get many repeat customers because they all die. That is true. Most of them are dead, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how long before the police start to suspect him? Because every victim has bought something from this shop. Well, let's face it. If the police aren't investigating the previous one where um, the, the, the guy's wife died in mysterious circumstances and he seemed to get married the next day, they're not investigating anything right. else, they are don't, they? Don't care, don't do care. they? No. That's, uh, no. That's the 70s, you know. Yes, that's the trouble of this world. Yeah, you're right. So we cut back to the shop. The criminal is still waiting to rob the place when, unluckily, he bumps into another customer heading into the shop and he has to abort again. Yeah. Yeah, Well, you say unluckily. Well, unlucky for him. Mm. Yes. Well, Well, uh, yeah, I see what you're getting at. The young man, William Seaton, enters the shop. Played by Ian Ogilvy. Is it all? I can never pronounce the guy's name. What's his name? Ian Ogilvy. Ogilvy. Yeah. It's O G I L V. Ogilvy. Now he went on to play the Saint. Um, did you ever see him as a potential mm-hmm. Bond? Well, only in the sense that he followed Roger Moore mm-hmm. in the Saint. That he would be like, oh, he followed Roger Moore in the Saint, so he could follow mm. Roger Moore in the Bond. That kind of thing. Because I know there was yeah. talk, at, you know, at the time when the Saint was on that, oh, he could be the next Bond. Yeah, but I imagine that's just media talk. I, I think he's too fresh-faced to be Bond. You don't want a fresh-faced Bond? No, I don't. I, I think Bond needs to look like he's 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 seen the world a bit more. And, and yeah, yeah, like he's all wrinkly and uh, grungy, like a gargoyle. <laughs> well, almost, I wouldn't go that like, far. Like a like like a Sid James kind of look. <laughs> I know, I know where you go with this, <laughs> and you know I agree with you. So. <laughs> Yes, Daniel Craig does remind us both of Sid James, yes. Yeah. He could play him in his biography. I know. Be perfect. I, I reckon he will at some point. Do you think he will? Oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Well, there's never been a big budget movie based on the, about the carry-on movies, has there? No. Oh, maybe mm. there should be one. Mm. <gasps> Paul! Yeah. We're not going to write it. No. Too lazy. <laughs> yes, this is true. So in the shop, William looks around before being drawn to a strange ornate door propped up in the corner. In the centre of the door is the face of a demon at its centrepiece. Yeah, that's true. The proprietor appears and he moves the stuff away so that they can get a better look at the door properly. William is really interested. The proprietor explains that he rescued it from a demolition site where it once... Uh, um... Sorry? I don't mean to interrupt you, but he doesn't actually say demolition. He says demonition. Does he really? Now I never noticed that. Is before. that because it's demonition, or is that another weird American pronunciation of the word? No, I, I think I don't. Know. I think that Peter Cushing knew what he was doing there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what he what he's doing. Demolition. Right. So he actually says demolition. Yeah, I never noticed Doesn't that. And I've seen this movie a lot more mm. than you have, and I've, that's the first time I've noticed that. So thank you for telling me. Yeah. Um, right. 
where apparently it once he says that it once led into an elaborate room, all blue. Yeah, bit, the blue room. Bit of blue. Yeah, we all like a bit blue. Well, no, do we? I'm not sure we do anymore. We used to, mm. but now it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable anymore, so so no. cut that thought from your mind. You're not allowed to do that anymore. No. The door is for sale at £50, but William says that he only has £40 and that'll leave him flat broke. Reluctantly, the proprietor agrees. He puts the money in the till, leaving it open, and he steps away to write a receipt. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We know your thoughts. William leaves, and the proprietor returns. He picks up the money and begins to count. One, two, three. We dissolve to William and his wife, Rosemary, having the door delivered. Rosemary is played by Mm -hmm. Leslie Ann Down, as we said at the start of the episode. And again, I know we said it before, but it's a great cast, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's a mm-hmm. good cast. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, yeah. Is it the cat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You kind of gave us an hint there where you're going towards the end, but we'll see. <laughs> no. All right. No. Nope. <laughs> William's plan is to fit the door onto a storage cupboard. Rosemary seems not taken with it, but William is convinced that once it's oh. been cleaned, it'll look great. He takes that. Nope. <laughs> you don't. You don't agree. No, no, there's one ugly door that does not suit that room at all. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's kind of a seventies modern flat, or ha- is it a flat or a house where he lives? I think it's a house, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure what mm. it is. We're not, we're, we don't get the dimensions to know whether it's a flat no. or a house, but it's out of place. I mean, they've stuck a few swords or stuff here mm. and there, but it's not. It doesn't fit in. From from what, thinking about it, I think he, he he seems to only have one room downstairs and one room upstairs, doesn't he? In this whatever it is. So it, it's a one room, one room upstairs. We only see the one room. House. We only see the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. It's only got two rooms. Oh, that's all right then. Maybe they only needed two rooms in the seventies. Maybe it was that kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's the thing about the seventies. Who needs more rooms? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. William takes out a handkerchief and he rubs some of the dust off, which he jokes looks red like blood. Whoa, that's a clue. It is. Cleaned and fitted later, Rosemary remarks that a grand door like this should lead to something a bit more prestigious than a cupboard. Like a castle. Like a castle, yes. Yeah. She envisions a grand drawing room, a fireplace, double windows, all in blue. Just as the proprietor, oh, good yeah, guess. just as the proprietor had said earlier. Later, <sighs> William is enjoying a drink when he is mysteriously drawn to the door. Mm, you, you know why? Maybe there's a drawing room in the. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a stationary cupboard. Yeah, well, you say stationary, it does move. That's true. It does. Not that stationary. No, no, you're right there. You're right there. Transitory. Now, this is the fact that he's drawn to the door kind of harps back to um, the mirror story, doesn't it? The way that he's drawn to the mirror. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. All right. In fact, there's a lot of parallels between this story and the and the, and the the mirror story. They both feature a, a, a sort of demonic presence. Yeah, it's all, almost like the writers gave up. <laughs> 
Right, well, let's just do, let's do the, do you remember, do you remember that first story with the mirror? Let's do that again with a door. I, I, I take your point. I take your point. I don't agree with it, but I'll take your point. Okay. Slowly, he opens the door, but the cupboard mm. is gone. No. Inside yeah. now is a blue room. The blue room, <gasps> the exact blue room that Rosemary described, ancient looking, covered in dust and cobwebs. William enters, because you would, obviously. You know, this weird room just no, suddenly appears. No, no, you would... no. I, I, just, I just closed the door. I will keep closing and opening the door until my stationary cupboard reappeared. <laughs> you, you'd be thinking, I've, I've, that, that gin obviously was bad. I should never have drunk that gin, should I? Yeah, yeah, that that gin, or maybe it was the bourbon, could be the rum. Yeah. One of them has caused problems. <laughs> but he enters, and he looks around in amazement. Wait, wait, no, I blame the ice cubes in the rum. Yeah, yeah it's obviously the water, isn't it? It's the bad water. Yeah, 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 yeah. The rum, the bourbon, the gin, that's fine. It's the ice cubes that are the culprits. All you need to do in the future is just have the exact same drink without the ice cubes. Mm-hmm. Excellent. You'll be fine. That's what I'll You'll do. Be fine. Yeah, yeah. William looks around in amazement. He finds a portrait of a 17th century man. He hears footsteps, then they slowly fade. William finds a book open on a table. The footsteps begin again, and a door handle across the room slowly turns. Terrified, he runs out and slams the door. Waiting a moment, he slowly opens it again. The cupboard has returned. Yeah, it's almost like he's nuts. Almost. Next morning at, at yeah. breakfast, William is distracted. Rosemary asks what's wrong, and he explains what happened the previous night. She looks at him. She's concerned. He's lost his mind. Yeah, you, well, yeah, you would be, mm. wouldn't you? He's like, oh, you know this cupboard? Giant room, all blue. What, there's like loads of like dodgy magazines in there and... Oh, yeah, 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 and videotapes. Yeah. Videotapes. Oh, my videotapes. It's all streaming now. It was 1974. Did videotapes exist back then? No. How? I guess it was just magazines in 1974. Reel-to-reel tape. I think they had that, didn't they? Oh, you'd have to be a connoisseur to get reel-to-reel tape. Oh, I'm you? sure there were connoisseurs of it. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I'm not saying there's not, but you would really have to be... You know, a collector. Well, I mean, this guy William—he's—he's oh, he's obviously, you know, he's—he's—he's he's, he's well off. Uh, so you see, as a rich guy, he could collect real pornography. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it has to be real to real, just real. <laughs> real, real to real suggest you know it moves from one real to the other when you're projecting it. But I don't know how these things work. We don't give him a spur reel. Go here. You'll need this. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, and it's not going to be on more than one reel, is it? Because you're not going to need it, are you? No, no, no. You just, I mean, who cares about exactly. the story? Exactly. Yeah. That was a strange, strange discussion about ni- 1970s <laughs> pornography there. About. But, you know. All right. Uh, from, from an age that neither of us were alive. Well, we were born the year that this film came out, weren't we? Yeah. Later, William is at his desk working when slowly the door opens behind him. He freezes. Sensing something. You know what she should have brought? A draft excluder. Rising, he moves to the door. The blue room inside is back. He goes in, not noticing the door closing behind him slowly. 
William sits yes. and opens the book on the table. It's some sort of journal. He reads, An Experiment in Darkness by Sir Michael Sinclair, written during the reign of Charles II. Charlie II's book. Apparently, this Sinclair has done experiments in witchcraft, preparing what he calls a ghost room. Um, and how do we uh, how do we learn this? Through a voiceover. Yeah, apparently Charles II has recorded his own audio book. That's 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 yeah, pretty clever. Devil's work, I say. You know, it's all he's he's all about the witchcraft. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Witchcraft, also very forward-thinking. Well, apparently he was. He sacrificed people to it, preparing a door as a trap to capture new souls to keep the room alive. Yeah, right. <laughs> Whatever. You're not buying this. <laughs> no. All right. Perhaps one day he can go out from the room and find a woman to sacrifice, for a woman hath a more enduring quality. Any woman or just a specific woman? All women have enduring qualities. And what does he mean by enduring qualities? They live longer? I mean, maybe in Charlie 2's time, but... I think you're overthinking it. But then again, wouldn't you oh, wait okay. for Leslie Ann Down to show up? Yeah. So yeah. You see his point now, okay. can't you? It's a fair yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly, right. William sees the door is shut and he hears footsteps again. Sinclair enters... Covered in cobwebs and looking like death. What? Go on, do it. Like, without... without no, no, I'm just wondering what looking like death. Big black cloak. <laughs> no, he just he looks like a zombie, doesn't he? Oh, okay. So he looks like a zombie. He reaches out for William, who manages to get the door open and runs out into the house, straight into the arms of Rosemary. Sinclair, by the way, is played by Jack Watson. Do you know this is a sudden reveal that you've decided to throw in. Yeah, well, do you remember the last time we saw Jack Watson in a movie that we covered on Retrospection, Colin? I don't remember. What what film was he in? He played Sandy in The Wild Geese. You know, the Sergeant Major. Oh, okay. Now, he's an actor who's played the Sergeant Major role a lot. Yes. Or at least that's what I feel like. Mm-hmm. You didn't know it was him, did you? Do you know, in all fairness, neither did I. Oh, until you looked it up. Until I looked it up on IMDb, I was curious as to who this guy was. And I was okay. like, bloody hell, it's him. So this was like an early role for him? 74, so what, Wild Geese was what, 79, 80? Yes, yeah, so he wasn't that young. He wasn't that young, no. Okay. I, I think he's probably one of those actors that probably turned up in a lot of TV in the 60s and the 70s. Right, yeah. right. Okay. They go back to the door, which is now closed, and the cupboard is back. Almost like the saint was making it up. <laughs> is that what we're going to call him now? Shall I call him the saint from now on? Oh, I, I've been cut in my notes. He's just called the saint. Okay. The saint thinks that uh, Sinclair... We should call him S Saint Version 2.0. <laughs> if you think of him as the saint, it gives us a whole new spin. That he was doing something for somebody, like... Uh... Mm. Oh, okay. Or worst saint ever. Bring back Roger. Mm. Mm. We all... You know what? We could always do with more Roger. <laughs> now, that works on two levels. 
It's a dirty joke, but it's also a callback to a Moonraker episode. And it's also his name in reverse. Very good. William thinks that Sinclair only stopped advancing because he saw Rosemary. He decides that they need to get out of the house as soon as possible. But all the doors are jammed. William runs upstairs. The phone is dead. The clock chimes midnight. Rosemary feels herself drunk. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm not doing anything. Rosemary feels herself drawn to the door. She steps inside. Okay. Upstairs, William hears her scream. He races down to find Sinclair carrying the now unconscious Rosemary into the room. Come, he tells William. Come. Two souls are better than one. Oh. You got excited when I said that, didn't you? Okay. Mm. Yeah, kind of. But... I just... It felt like a song. Yeah. <laughs> Two souls. It's <laughs> better than one. Yeah. yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Our love is finally done. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. <gasps> Bit of that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a flame that forever burns. Springsteen. That kind of thing. What you don't find, you never learn. Oh, he's gone. He's that off on it. Hey, all right. Uh, okay. Oh, it just sounds like that kind of thing. But snatching an axe from the wall, because, you know, he's got axes mounted on his wall. Not Well, he would. He had swords. Yes, so. he's a collector, isn't he? Okay, I can... I can yeah, 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 yeah. He begins hacking at the door. Sinclair reels in agony as blood pours from the door. So the door and Sinclair are connected. Yes. Mm-hmm. The room begins to collapse all around them. Dropping the axe, William fights with Sinclair, noticing that the door is beginning to slowly close behind him again. Rosemary regains consciousness. She picks up the axe and begins to smash the door. With each chop, wounds appear on Sinclair as the room begins to collapse around him. William and Rosemary get the door open and he finishes chopping the door down. Sinclair screams in agony, turns to dust and the room itself disappears. William and Rosemary have survived. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We cut back to the shop. The proprietor finishes counting his money. Forty pounds exactly. He hasn't been cheated. Yeah. And he looks nope. slightly disappointed. Oh, he does, yeah. I mean, yeah, because he doesn't get to kill somebody in a sadistic manner. <laughs> you don't like this guy at all, do you? Arsehole. Arsehole. I mean, he's a demon, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. Finally, the criminal sees his chance, and he sneaks into the shop. He looks around, scurring himself with a stuffed bat hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. I mean, you mean like a stuffed vampire bat, not a like a not cricket, a cricket bat, because there's nothing scary about a cricket no. bat, is there? No. no. Well, I don't know. It depends who's wielding it. That is true. But not a stuffed one. That is true. Suddenly, yeah. the proprietor jumps out, aiming two dueling pistols at him. He apologises for the joke. He goes on to say that he was just loading them for a client. Yes. He asked that isn't in the that shop. isn't in the shop. Yes. He asks the man if he would like to look at them, and he passes them over to him in the correct fashion as they do it in the films, he says. The criminal smiles. Pointing, right. pointing them at the proprietor, he tells him to hand over all the cash. Smiling and laughing, the proprietor just walks towards him slowly. The criminal fires. Nothing happens. He throws the pistols. They just sort of bounce off him, I suppose. Well, they kind of just go plop, don't they? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's not sure whether they go through him, around mm. him, or either he's the worst shot ever. I think ever. he's the worst shot ever, but we'll, we'll go with it. Could be, could be. I mean, they're not very accurate, those kind of no. guns. All the while, the proprietor is just gently saying stuff like, Mind your head, sir. You wouldn't want to hurt yourself. Freaked out, the criminal staggers back and falls into an Iron Maiden, which closes, killing him instantly. Mm. The proprietor picks up the criminal's flat cap, pops it onto a skeleton that's hanging next to him from the ceiling, and tuts. Nasty. Then the door opens, and Cushing looks directly into the camera. We are now his customers. Yeah, breaking the fourth wall. I like this bit. I thought it was a good way to end the movie. Come in, he says. I'm sure I've the very thing to tempt you. Lots of bargains. All taste... I sound a bit Wallace and Gromit, don't I, when I'm doing this? But, yeah. Yeah, it was all right. I I was going with it. Say it again. No, it's all right. Come in, he says. I'm sure I have the very thing to tempt you. Lots of bargains. All tastes catered for. Oh, and a big novelty surprise comes with every purchase. Do come in. Any time. I'm always open. We back away and the door closes on the printed slogan, Offers You Can't Resist. And that's the end of From Beyond the Grave. Doesn't he say money is the root of all He does. I was was truncating it for you. Ah, but... If money is the root of all evil, probably shouldn't run a shop there. <laughs> but maybe if he is evil and he's a demon, then that's perfect. I, I think know. that I think it's the second one. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, Colin, and I'm dreading this, but what did you think of From Beyond the Grave? I think all the actors are better than the material that they are given to work with. And they do an amazing job with the script that they have been handed. Mm-hmm. I found the first story is okay, but it makes no sense. And the ending is just an ending to finish the story. It's not really, you don't learn anything. You don't go, oh, that's why. The second story is boring. I, I, I don't know. It's not, No, it's not for me, Paul. Sorry. So it's not a hit for you? No, it's not a hit. I would like to see earlier Amicus productions of these anthology stories because I think at this point they were just... They were running out of steam. This was a very successful one for them, though, even though it was the last one. Uh, yeah, but... That doesn't mean anything. No, I know it. I know it doesn't mean anything. I know it doesn't mean anything. I, I, I didn't mean to suggest that. This is before I tell you what I think of you it. Did you did, Paul? That's what. That's the defence you no, leaked no, no, to. No, 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 no. I didn't. Um. Okay. I mean, I, I, I love a good horror portmanteau. I do. And Amicus made some of the best ones. I think. Is this one of the best ones? Probably not. Do I enjoy it? Yes, I do. But you knew I was going to say that. I agree with you. It's it's a fantastic cast. I mean, you've got Ian Brennan, Donald Pleasance, David Warner, Inco Michael, Dino Doors, Peter Cushing. <laughs> just goes on and on and on, doesn't it? Um, strongest story for me is either The Elemental or An Act of Kindness. I do like that story. 
I like the performances. I like I like Donald Pleasance and, and his daughter. I think Ian Brennan was very good in it. I think Diana Dawes was very good in it. Um, the one that didn't work for me, oddly, is The Duel. I thought that was the weakest one mm. for me. Okay. Um, but I think it all looks really good. I think the music's... It does its job. I, I particularly like the humour that's sprinkled throughout, particularly in the elemental. I think that's that's the strongest story, I think. But I think that's the strongest story because of the acting work, not because of the story itself. And I think that's the problem with all of these stories is that the actual tale behind it is pretty weak and that you have to have good actors into it to heighten the actual story. I think that, that goes for a lot of horror, though, to be honest. And I love horror. Are you you're saying horror is a no, terrible No, I'm not saying genre? it's a terrible genre at all. It's, it's one of my favourite genres, as you know. So don't try and put words in my mouth. Um, I, I, I think that, that horror can be heightened by the, the, the performances that are in it. And this is certainly a case with this film. Um, I think there's better examples of, as you, as you pointed out, there's better examples of Amicus's anthology work than this. Do I enjoy it? Yes, I do enjoy it. Is it a hit? I think it's one of those cases where, for me, it's a double-edged sword. I think it's it's not a hit. Just say no and let's move on. It's not a hit. It's not a you're hit. Not, you're not beholden it's not a hit, to but it. I enjoy it. Okay. All right. So it's not a hit, though. It's crap. <laughs> no, that's not right? what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> no, it's not crap at all. It's just if I was if I'm going to compare it to to other ones, no, it's not a hit, but I enjoy it every time I see it. There's things in this that I always enjoy. If it had, if it had other actors in that you weren't invested in, would you enjoy it as much? Maybe not, because there's there's that's interesting because there there is a, an anthology movie called Asylum. Um, and I don't connect with it as well as I do with this. And Asylum is probably considered to be a better movie than this. Um, but I don't like it because of the actors that are in it don't interest me. Um, but this has got Peter Cushing. It's got uh, Diana Dawes. It's got Ian Carmichael. I mean, what is there not, not to get something? Even you got something from it. And that was, as you say, it's predominantly because of the performances. Totally. Yeah. Um. So no, it's not a hit, but I, I, that doesn't mean I don't enjoy it. It's one of those kind of movies for me. Okay, well, maybe you should introduce me to a good Amicus anthology film then. I'm sure we'll get there one day. I'm sure we will. Okay, maybe. But that's not going to be in our next episode. Oh, so what are we doing next time, Colin? In our next episode, we're heading to a post-apocalyptic wasteland. When hell comes to Frogtown. Oh, we can't get much different than uh, From Beyond the Grave there, can you? No. But if Roddy Piper is not your thing, then you can suggest a film or TV show by reaching us at retrospection at email.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter at Retrospecky, and on Instagram at Retrospection Podcast, all one word. And please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen. You can also hear the themes and songs from the films and shows we review at our Spotify 
playlist, which, which must be pretty long by now. It's 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 got a lot on it. Yes. Yeah. And finally, if you'd like to support our old episodes and help new ones coming along, then you can lower our server costs by supporting us via patreon.com slash retrospection. Thank you to our current Patreon supporters who make sure another month goes by that Paul doesn't have to get that second job as a human scarecrow. Because back in the 80s, he was always scaring the birds away. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye.